Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 425 being recorded on the 26th of May, 2022 with special guests, Mark Eisenberg, and of course, we have Evan and Kendall as well joining us today to do a quick roundup on the Bill 2022 news updates relative to Azure. So, uh, you know, normally we'd start the show by doing uh, news updates, but the whole show is about news updates this time. <laughs> so that's all we're going to do is news updates. The joy of Build Week, right? We're just like awash in news. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and uh, we were trying to do uh, a quick. Uh, summary before the sh- before we met up on the show here and it just seems like there's so much to talk about uh, but i think yeah, each one of us is going to cover our some of our respective uh, areas of passion and uh, we'll, we can uh, take it from there uh, i'd like to uh, you know uh, also mention mark has been on the show before uh, a few times uh, you know he's talked about service fabric it, what used to be his fa- one of his favorite <laughs> services uh, before <laughs> And uh, and then microservices. Uh, so you know, we're happy to have him back uh, to uh, so you can share his thoughts about all the build announcements. So Mark, uh, I'd like to give you the floor first uh, to uh, maybe you could start us off with some of your favorite uh, build announcements from the last couple of days. So it's interesting because you talked about the service fabric, and to remind people, I said I think on the first one we did that service fabric to me was the coolest thing we had ever done and might be the coolest thing that anybody had ever done. But it really did require that you reshape your architecture thinking and how you're going to build problems. I had customers that had adopted it and turned off all the auto stuff. Um, so they just weren't getting any benefit. I I begged the, the the program manager. It's like, we need to like hold people's hands and we need to really kind of explain what this magic is. We all knew. But uh, the customer base coming from a traditional perspective didn't get it. So ACA, uh, particularly, or excuse me, Azure Container Apps, uh, with the addition of Dapper and the other two, uh, the Kita and uh, Envoy components, is the first time I felt like we've really got a story that we can tell around, um, you know, in that same microservice kind of platform, um, or as the DevOps Handbook says, loosely coupled platforms. It doesn't have to be microservices, but it's a good way to do it. And what I'm hoping, I think the the sessions yesterday were a good start, particularly the one that the DevTools group did, um, really showing how the developer experience is enhanced with deploying uh, distributed applications into our infrastructure, you know, into our services. It, it, it's interesting, Mark, as I listen to you talk about that, I think about sort of what what Microsoft, what we're good at, right, is we build a platform that other people can build stuff on top of. Sometimes we get out ahead of that, cloud services. Right. If anybody remembers those. Right. It was sort of ahead of its time. Um, it, you know, it, it's still I mean, in a lot of ways, it's still a fantastic product, but it just it required so many changes. Right. That it just didn't ever get the traction. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and and, you know, but but I think what's what's interesting and we'll talk about some of this later when we talk about some of the Java stuff. Um, like in the old days, we would have just kept at this and trying to convince our customers and, and the industry to follow something. 
now if there's a better thing that comes along, you know, Azure Container Apps, AKS, like we're, we sort of pivot, right? And and then help build best, you know, good scenarios for those capabilities within our world, which is, it's a much better place at the end of the day, I think for everybody. Yeah, the, the it is. Um, although I was, I don't know if you remember my history, I was one of the first four Azure salespeople in 2009. So I know all about, I do know that, uh, the, the yeah, might have been where group. we first met, actually, way, right. way back. Yeah. yeah. So the evangelism team had Azure PaaS that mm-hmm. Ray Ozzy and company had built as a better mousetrap, but they didn't understand it and they didn't know how to explain it to our customers. And our customers went into the, well, we want IaaS, we want a VM vending yeah. machine, right? And so I'm still a little twitchy that it was a we. I don't think we were that far ahead of ourselves. We didn't take the time to really explain what cloud native was about. We didn't even have yeah. that term at yeah. the time. Yep. Um, but the benefits of it. But I will tell you that a key part of my talk track with clients now is if you want to, because they'll say we need to be better at X. And I'm like, if you want to be better at X, you have to change how you're doing things. Yeah. Yeah. Because by definition, yeah. you cannot get any better if you keep doing the same thing. And I think that's one of the things with our messaging where we get tripped up because our big giant customers say we have to do it this way. And I'm all about but, but, but. Yeah. And uh, no, so ACA to me is another into the breach and, uh, you know, have the opportunity. And um, the developer story is part of it. But I think in the enterprise world where ops has so mm-hmm. much say in how these things are, we need a really good better together story for dev and ops with ACA and uh, and then Dapper and the like with it. Agreed. No, totally so agreed. I, I'm going to jump in here. So I think what Mark is saying is I did an incredible job as a PM. Thank you so much, Mark. I will take that as a personal compliment to myself. It's connect time, right? It's a perfect statement, right? You oh know. my gosh, yes, so great. Um, but no, I, like, I, you know, obviously am super happy to be on the episode because I haven't been around much and it's been a real effort, but I just want to echo, you know, the sentiments that you mentioned, Mark. Like, I am super passionate about the, um, making sure that the platform is really positioned the way that we intended it intended for it to be positioned. And that's as not a like managed version of AKS, right? Because even out of build, right, we see these great capabilities coming out of AKS and the AKS team. And they're going to continue to optimize the AKS specific experience, right? The mm-hmm. uh, new introduction of like draft two to make development easier and the integration with Kata, which is something similar to what we have on uh, container apps and even something that wasn't mentioned, um, but I'm familiar with is like, you know, Dapper actually has an extension now that can be run on AKS. So like there's going to be a lot of these capabilities that come to AKS to make uh, it easier to operate and manage. But like that's really not the space that container apps was created for. It was created to really provide that app service like experience for people who want to run containers and they want to or want to run microservices and they want to host them in containers. Right. And so like how do we bring some of that management capability and abstract way that infrastructure mm-hmm. And I think we have to continue to lean into that. We ha- And I agree with you. We have to figure out what the balance looks like for making it easier for developers to use, but also not re- not forgetting the fact that there's still going to be really stringent operations requirements and governance and security protocol that we have to kind of fit in in order for enterprises to adopt. But we can't be so rigid that we don't also say, hey, you know, I know this is how you've traditionally done things, but here's another model that we can introduce that might actually be a better way for us to go about this. And so I think there's going to be a lot of collaboration with field resources, especially those who are in roles like I was in before I joined Container Ops, people who are working with 
large enterprise customers who are working with containers, right? Like container patching, how do we manage our containers? Like that, this doesn't solve that problem. And so how do we provide some of that capability or even just that guidance so that customers aren't just going to ACA, but they're really able to adopt the entire end-to-end like cloud native journey and with, with container apps just being the hosting platform at the end of that. So right. anything we can do to make that easier. So yeah, I'm obviously really, really excited about this, but we're just getting started. We have so many amazing like features in the pipeline and, and so much feedback to gather. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to call out, you know, how excited I am about the fact that we were able to, to push this to the finish line or at least uh, to stage one of, of getting it out the door, uh, which to me was providing the SLA for customers who are ready to, to adopt. And to add on to that, I think we can't separate this from the DevOps conversation. You're right. It's a great place to do this, but the where the enterprise thinking is somewhat disconnected right now is how critical continuous delivery is to the point, yeah. like you were saying about patching containers. If you actually do a healthy DevOps flow, then that's going to be built in there. Yeah. And this platform will, if it doesn't do it already, I but I'm pretty sure it does. Um, we just need to, again, hit that point about change. You know, yeah, if and you I mean, want to be we faster. We don't handle some of those things because patching, for example, is something that you want to be customer controlled. So I think it's going to be a matter of like, how do we provide easy diagnosability or even just alerting to make sure that we empower customers to take on which responsibilities they want want to have control over and then the things that we can manage for them as well. And who knows what that evolution will look like. But I, I think one of my the, the biggest things that my, you know, my biggest focus area for container apps is Dapper and open source experiences. But I think we're going to be doing a lot of investment in um, DevOps. Like, I, I think you'll see that the whole team is really passionate about making sure that we uh, strengthen the DevOps story and make it easier for customers to really securely get their workloads continuously into container apps. So, um, so yeah. Yep. I agree with all of that. So, um, I was gonna, oh, sorry, Mark. No, no, go ahead. Talking. I was going to say, I, I saw Evan's note, so. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, give. let's see if Evan has something he, he liked about build. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'll go back to some of my roots. Um, you know, I guess oh, I guess these days have been a long, I've been away from networking technically, but that's different roots. Um, but, you know, there's some interesting SQL database stuff that came out. Um, you know, I thought the ledger capability basically, cre- you know, it's, it's sort of like the, um, Oh, what do we call it? The change data capture, but it's it's on steroids, right? It's it's built in and it's and it's immutable um, at that point. Also, a bunch of the JSON um, stuff that we've added to there, because JSON really has become the standard language, right? For for communication, XML. I think I've seen some XML recently, but I can't yeah, remember the last time I saw fading. it in new code. It's fading away, right? Um, it, it, you know, I, I used to actually debug XML. That's all I ever do with this. So. Um, and then the other thing, and again, this sort of brings me back to the, um, you know, some of the integrations with .NET many years ago with with Azure, with SQL Server, but like now you can call um, any Azure function and really any REST endpoint from within Azure SQL database natively, right? So if you need to go, you know, trigger something based on some data or go, you know, go, you know, hey, I got this data, so I need to go retrieve this other piece right. of data and then put them in together, right? Really simplifying that. I mean, this really goes towards that low code type world where I'm doing minimal effort to, to do maximal connectivity. Um, you know, hey, we can we can even call container apps, you know, because there's rest endpoints. Um, you know, but yeah, I think I think this is this stuff is great about sort of just making it easy for people to make these connections between their app and their data. 
But to the point that Kendall was making earlier, we do this really cool stuff. We need to make sure that the market understands yeah, absolutely. what our intent was. What, how are we innovating here? Why were we innovating? Um, you know, so, you know, this is all great technology. That's the first part of the story. And then we'll get out here and we'll be talking yeah. about the, the the benefits of it and how you can impact your application architectures with Absolutely. Absolutely. The, I think the that's cool. really cool, Evan. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that, but I think it does. Like, I just think that theming of like us really moving toward a more event driven cloud, yeah. all like all yeah. up, just having better integration between services, better connectivity, better ability to really drive action based on other things happening in the environment. Like to me, that's a really cool underlying theme that we're seeing. Um, so I think I'm glad that you shared that update because I had not heard that. Yeah, it's sort of like this next level, right? As you, you build yeah. the base stuff and then you start laying on this stuff that's nice to have. The other cool thing that, you know, for people that do development sort of in a disconnected fashion, which, you know, it, it, there's lots of cases where that happens, but um, is there's now a full fidelity a SQL database emulator, um, you know, that you can run locally for, you know, when you're doing VS Code and Azure Data Studio, right? So you don't have to connect up to your, um, your real Azure SQL database to do this. You could, you know, not that anybody these days is generally without network connectivity very long. That's a there's a lot of challenges when that happens. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to to be working against the database to do your development at this point, which is great. You know, it's sort of that DevOps model. I can work locally and then I push it to the cloud when I need to. And Cosmos has the same thing. Right. And I don't know if that was an uh, announcement it, in the overview. I, I heard or hit it. Yeah, I think it, it's been around for a little while. I'm not, I honestly just don't know it, whether or not it's full fidelity or some partial capability. But yeah, there is some, there's some, at least, you know, a pretty significant emulator, I think, for Cosmos as well. Yeah, and then uh, also, even on the SQL side, uh, we, you mentioned about the function, uh, being able to mm -hmm. call a function. But I think, you know, the reverse is also true, is now functions can trigger yeah. off, uh, off a SQL yeah. uh database uh, table update or something like that. So yep. so that's uh, that's a nice uh, built-in feature that they've had in there. I also wanted to and mention- If uh, like I can, the, yeah, real quick yeah, comment, what we all have to kind of watch out on that is um, we're supposed to be helping get business logic out of the data tier. So it requires discipline because that feature could absolutely be yeah, used absolutely. to snarl us back into the business logic and the data tier. So we need to, again, it's another topic that we need to be discussing with customers. Yeah, I mean, yep. we should treat it as an event-driven system, right? Where, okay, this thing is now triggering another event and then you could do something else in that Azure function, for right. example. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also in, the, in terms of bindings, now I, I was surprised they've announced a, a Kafka trigger as well in Azure Functions. Nice. Right? So, okay. So that's nice. Yeah. So they've expanded. Like we used to have service bus triggers, and now you mm -hmm. could even trigger off Kafka and SQL. So it looks like Functions is becoming much more powerful in terms of uh, you know being to support this event-driven yep. uh, architecture that you mm -hmm. just talked about. That's that's what's going to drive it. Uh, and uh, and I really like the um, the new Nginx uh, service that they uh, started. I was going to get to that one. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll deny yeah, it no, for no, you. Go, I mean, go ahead. We all had that. we all had that one on our list. <laughs> Is that the F5? Was that the F5 session? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get to that. F5. It's on my list, but I haven't watched it yet. So so they basically it's like a load balancing uh, uh, kind of uh, solution that they have now in Azure using the Nginx uh, software, of course. Uh, hosted and managed by uh, by Microsoft and Azure, and uh, you can do all those complicated routing rules, some um, uh, uh, 
like for example, uh, trying to set up uh, authentication at the edge, you know, uh, connecting it to your IDP and things like that. Uh, so that's all uh, now out of the box. And people who would normally stand up their own Nginx uh, and then have to struggle with it. It's not easy to configure and stand up Nginx uh, correctly. And uh, hopefully this will make it uh, easier. Yeah, th this is sort of, uh, and, and the, the, there's a theme along this direction because we're doing this with Dynatrace, right, as well. Um, we're, we're integrating these third-party apps through the marketplace into Azure so that you're sort of managing it with the same APIs and the same UI that you're doing to manage all your other stuff. Um, again, that's just sort of making life easier for the end customers without making them change what they're using, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm an Nginx user. I can still use Nginx. I just now have an easier management experience. Kendall, go ahead. Yeah, so I just wanted to pepper a couple out there. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think I have to go too deep on on too many of them. But the GitHub OpenID Connect for um, Azure AD like workload identity is basically now mm, generally yeah. available. I think that one's really, really big from like a GitHub Actions perspective. Just like if you've worked with GitHub Actions um, and like expired credentials in GitHub and connectivity to Azure, like I just feel like that's going to be a really good um, capability and definitely help to accelerate some of our developer platforms because customers will have more, I don't know, just more um, more confidence, right? And how they're connecting to Azure. And so I think that's a really good one, that one GA. So that's something that's been around, but you know, now I feel like, you know, more adoption will, will definitely take place there. Another one is, and this is so funny. I, when I joined Microsoft, we did these um, sort of like new hire projects and one of the ones that that I got assigned was wor working with Xamarin because at the time we had just acquired Xamarin that kind of cross-platform mm -hmm. um, you know development experience so that you can write you know for iOS Android those kind of things and so it's been a long journey since I joined since I've almost been here for six years but .NET MAUI is now out there which I feel like is really going to enhance the uh, you know, cross-platform development experience, being able to really develop these cool cross-platform applications using C-sharp. Um, and then I had one more that I wanted to call out, which was, um, let me see if I can find it here. Oh, API management. So like a lot of customers that I used to work with in GB are big API management users. And uh, GraphQL was like a big sort of De demand from customers, right? How do we have support for, for GraphQL pass-through? Um, and so that's now, I believe, generally available. So that's another just kind of exciting thing. If you've been looking at API management or if you've sort of started to adopt those kind of APIs and wanted that support, um, that's now something that's that's available for you to use. So those were just a few that I wanted to pepper in that I thought were, that at least stood out to me because of customer demand in the past. I love the, yep. the Maui mention because it really has nothing to do with this podcast, right? This is the Azure podcast, but we all find it so cool that it's all coming up. You know, we're all bringing it up because the, the story looks really good. Yeah. Mark, what else do you like uh, from Bill? So the, the, the investment in Java really caught my attention. Um, you know, the, the fact that there's the um, Azure Java apps, um, there's the Spring apps, which I guess is the renamed Spring Cloud. And then all of the Java capability is being included in app services now. Um, I call on a bunch of ISVs that are these massive 20-year-old uh, Java applications, and this is going to help, you know, bring them into um, in, into the cloud-native world, you know, with these with these good services that know how to speak Java. What's the difference between Java apps and the Spring Cloud? Is it sort of again like Spring Cloud? It's a little bit more. You're you're deploying the um, 
the infrastructure underneath it or what's sort of like sort of containers versus container apps or what's the well i would nod to the on the spring stuff i'm gonna <laughs> yield to my expert over here on my left um <laughs> and then the the way the java apps looked to me was it was more generic you know that it, it could basically oh, so we're, just we're partnered, right thing, it's like it jboss and tomcat gotcha. and all yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. is in there whereas the spring cloud is very yeah. specific to spring Gotcha. Yeah, okay. it's, uh, yeah, yeah, Spring Boot say, is a. I would, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say Spring Boot is like a framework uh, that uh, yeah. uh, is an optional framework that Java developers can use. Very popular, been around for 20 years at least. And uh, it has a lot of uh, infrastructure style bits associated with it in terms of a configuration server uh, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, normally you'd have to configure all of that. Uh, or even like uh, having a directory, like a directory services so that uh, microservices can find each other. So that you would normally have to stand that up. Uh, so Spring Originals, uh, Azure Spring Cloud, and now the Spring apps sort of hides all that of that sense. and uh, and then makes it easy to get access to those features. Makes sense. Sorry, Kendall. Yeah, so, so G- yeah I was just going to say, like, I don't think we fully said it, but for those of you who weren't aware, Spring Cloud has been rebranded to Spring Apps. Um, and my understanding is you, it actually will support other um, other languages now. So it was kind of focused specifically around like Java um, initially. And then now I believe you can actually run other languages on top of it was uh, like in containers, which is pretty interesting. And I also didn't know that. Mm. And this is probably just my ignorance because I haven't worked on this service directly with customers. But I didn't know it was actually a VMware plus Microsoft collaboration. So to me, it kind of gives... Mm-hmm very similar, um, I guess, approach to how we did the, um, like, Arrow, like Azure Red Hat OpenShift, where it's sort of this joint venture, um, and, and it is managed Kubernetes. Um, so I will say it, it does play in that sort of AKS container apps space because you are getting a managed Kubernetes cluster, but similar to what I, at least from what I've drawn, like, delineations, it seems similar to Arrow in that you kind of get some bells and whistles that come along with it um, that you would traditionally use with these sort of VMware or Tanzu type um, apps. So, uh, so yeah, I just wanted to call that out that it did get a bit of a rebrand and some capabilities there. Yeah, the original Spring Cloud had two AKS clusters under the covers. Uh, I don't know what the new one has, uh, but yeah, and the Tanzu uh, build service is pretty cool because it allows a customer again to speak to Mark's uh, DevOps story, mm-hmm. where you know you don't have to worry about the DevOps, right? You kind of uh, you, um, you you just point at your code, and then the, de- the, the DevOps, the Tanzu build service will build your code and deploy it to the cluster and, and make it all up and running in one shot, right? So it kind of uh, reduces that need to have all of that in your pipeline. Uh, yeah, and just a fun, fun nugget there, which is unrelated to build while y'all are kind of deciding on the next updates. Um, that is stuff that we're working on in container apps as well. Uh, so we do have the AZ container app up command, which we recent, recently released. But right now you still have to have, um, you know, a Docker file in your local directory of where your code is sitting or, you know, if you're pointing somewhere else. Right. But you still have to kind of manage that Docker file. And so that's something that we're working on is like ways that we can make it easier to go from just your your source code into container apps. So um, anybody that ha- is passionate about that, too, would love to you know feel free to connect with me offline as well. OK, Evan, what, what do you have? Yeah, I, I mean, the I, I thought it was interesting to see. So we we GA um, flexible server, right? Or, you know, I forget what time, you know, late fall last year, maybe for. MySQL, um, and you know, we've added you know an 80 core variant, and then a business critical tier service level, right? So sort of, again, sort of taking the core product and then you know pushing up the capabilities, pushing up the SLAs and whatnot, so that you can run it for more and more um, critical apps, 
right? Which, you know, which is going to help our enterprise customers. Great. And I'll kind of cover a few uh, AKS uh, topics since uh, Kendall seems to have moved uh, on to ACA these days. So there's... Yes, hey, my, uh, we love uh, we still love AKS, but I'll I'll give you I'll give you those updates. So she already mentioned draft. I did mention draft. Yep, yep. I was going to give you credit for that. You mentioned draft and you mentioned Kada, so you covered two of the of the five updates that I was going to cover. Uh, the other three related to AKS are interesting. Uh, if you if you use Windows and AKS, now Windows Server 2022 host support is available in AKS, so. Uh, if you use those newer SKUs uh, of Windows, uh, that would be interesting. Also available is ARM64 agent node support in AKS now. Ah, I saw and you that. can That's get cool. a mix and yeah. match. Uh, yeah, you can mix and match all these uh, diff- different node pools now. And, and finally, one that um, you know we spent a lot of time, I think, uh, even uh, Kendall may be aware. I remember when we were at a customer a while back, an insurance customer, where we had to deal with uh, the CIS standards for yeah. For the containers, you know, running in uh, AKS, and, and now uh, there is uh, available uh, for that's available for the Ubuntu worker nodes. So they do give you those CIS uh, hardened uh, container option. Uh, this way, yeah, customers know that you know they their code is running on uh, on a node that is has been validated to that extent. So those were I'll, some of the. I want to put related. a plug for that because I, I you know, as as the audience knows, you know, I sit in the sort of the world of broken. One of the, some of the nastiest cases I've worked over the years is when someone's done has hardened their OS or their you know or their their nodes or their containers, and they don't always know what they've done or they don't realize what they've done. So so us you know sort of having the ability to know what the hardening configuration is and it meets certain standards and that goes a long way to to sort of narrowing down the problem space. So I you know personally I love the love the idea of that capability. I also need Evan to change his Twitter profile to I live in the land of the broken um, because it just feels poetic. <laughs> I I would have to like go on Twitter to to do that. So that's probably a high bar. Uh, I mean, you know. OK, maybe just your status message message in teams just so that just so that I, somewhere this can be captured. So I, I may have see. to do that. I may have. To, yeah, I may have to do that. Day, actually, I like that idea. <laughs> well, and my whole job for, as an account manager is to try to prevent you having to deal with that. Oh, I see. I thought, you, I thought your job was to make sure we had the problem. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, Evan's been busy. So, Mark, what's going on? <laughs> well, OK, so I'm a developer account manager, so that's a little different, right? <laughs> I'm teasing. But, I'm teasing. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a good partnership. That's the way we look at it. Right. But you're you're so one of the talk tracks that I have is that instead of all of this hardening stuff and all that, and, you know, forcing the infrastructure to do the security mm-hmm. that, you know, as people are doing distributed applications, the simplest way to, to fix that problem is make the API secure, make your yeah. your yeah. your your uh, in, your service interfaces secure. And then to that end, we introduced I saw some Microsoft identity. There was a session on that. Um, and if you're working with customers who have legacy code, one of the challenges that they have is they've typically rolled their own identity provider. And how do they dub yeah. that into dovetail that into an Azure AD world? And we've actually got this functionality I saw introduced where you basically can intercept the call. It comes into Azure AD. And if it's tagged in a certain way, Azure AD will then route it over mm-hmm. to custom code that will then interface with the 
with the, uh, the, 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 old, the legacy identity provider. So watching some of my clients wrestle with exactly that problem, I thought that was a really yeah. nice, nice announce, announcement we made there. Mm-hmm. So I am becoming an identity person as hard as I tried not to be. And uh, it's hard to resist on the data side, right? It's such a core (laughs) thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's funny you said that because one of my one of my teammates that I work with or or just someone that I work with within Microsoft, he reached out to me the other day to talk about like managed identity and how the different managed identities work, because everyone will eventually have to know these things. It's inevitable. So I feel like I've bec- I would never have told you like a year ago that I was, quote, a networking person. I've kind of become a networking person, not necessarily <laughs> by choice, but just because it's so integral to everything. And it's going to be the first or second conversation that you have when you talk about any service. It's like, how does it work with IPs? How do we like, you know, how do we do Azure Active Directory integration? It's like it's just the first conversation. Careful, you know? Kendall, you, you go too far down that path. You, I'll, I'll recruit you for my team. <laughs> I will just so I can say that I live in the land of the broken. Like it's worth it. Mm. Um, my, my whole reason for being is to keep things from breaking. Keep absolutely. keep people out of the emergency room. That's the way yeah. I put it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I failed I mean, if it gets to you. <laughs> it's a partnership, right? It takes both sides. Um, the the other thing that so another cool service I want to call we don't we actually I mean at some point we need to get. Um, some folks from this team on, but the Azure Communication Services, um, you know, which this is what provides chat and, and uh, voice over IP capabilities for people that are building those into their their own apps. We've now um, got call metrics, we've got email capabilities coming in from that. Um, you know, we're just sort of adding more and more capabilities for communications elements of these apps because you know that you're going to talk to your customer at some point. Right. And so having those capabilities and not having to worry about the infrastructure is, is key. It would be great to I have, have a session to see. On to that too. If we wanted to do a future show, we should definitely do that. I have a couple of people that I've even met this week in bring Redmond them, that I think bring, would be. Bring, bring yeah. them on, Kendall. Let, let's do it. I think that'd be a fun, I think it'd be a fun episode. Because we've avoided SendMail for years yeah. Yeah. because the, the, the whitelisting, blacklisting problem, you know, if yeah. they blacklist, you know, our SendMail server, that could wipe out. So so they must have solved that problem, and I'm really I'd be great to see you know, on that session to see how they've technically solved that problem. Yeah. One of the uh, I know we're kind of getting to the end of some of our updates here, but I wanted to bring up one which caught my eye it was about the Azure machine learning, uh, specifically the responsible AI dashboard. You know, one of the problems with uh, any sort of ML uh, style project is you have to go through this process where you want to make sure your data is fair, the models are not, uh, you know, biased in any way, and uh, they've created now this dashboard where you can go in and kind of do some of that analysis, at least help you uh, do some of that analysis to make sure that uh, your uh, your models are uh, good, you know, before you decide to publish them or make them available to the uh, to the broader world. So. And since Any, we're talking about that kind of thing, then one other thing that has not uh, like Maui, it has nothing to do with the Azure world specifically, but the uh, the GitHub Copilot, you know, the application of AI to helping developers be more productive and the same functionality oh, yeah, yeah. In, in Visual Studio, which I can't remember what it's called right now. Those look like I'm much bigger fan of that than I am the low code, no code stuff. I think that, you know, making existing developers a lot better and a lot more productive, I think is going to be a really powerful story going down the road. Copilot is phenomenal. I like I've truly been blown away by it. That's one of those fe- the, those 
products or like capabilities, I guess you could say that just when you start using it, you truly are just like, wow, this is it. This is, this is awesome. And I feel like having that kind of, you know, like fan experience where you just like are rooting for something to be successful. Um, because it, it really, it made such a good first impression on me. I am curious, like as part of this though, I, I did not catch this fully. So I'm about to basically ask a question and see if any of y'all caught it. So we have like a new, what is it? A dev box? Is that what it was called? Right. Did yes. Oh, for ARM. Yeah, that, for the ARM yeah, stuff. No, no, not that. No, no, no. Oh. The, 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 the thing that's like um, Azure Desktop. Azure Virtual Desktop, but pre-configured for, with dev tools. Oh, that's yeah. That's the dev yeah. box, oh, right? Okay. So Mark, yeah. will you explain? You, like you feel pretty confident talking about because I I'm curious and I didn't I was during the the keynote that I heard it but I wasn't fully like locked in yeah so the way uh, Satya presented that differentiated is that code spaces works really well for um for like web development and I'm not I'm not familiar enough with code spaces to really mm -hmm. speak authoritatively on that he said but there are a lot of other workloads particularly in the enterprise where you just need a full-on dev box as we called it, you know, and then the, the story is that a lot of developers at the beginning of a project, the first thing they have to do is configure their dev box. So we're trying to take care of that for them. The key to me will be, you know, what's the price point? Is that going to be something that um, that people are willing to to pay for? I mean, it's pretty appealing to me. Um, but again, got to look at the price point. But that's the that's the idea for where you still need the traditional development tool flow. And then we'll just pre-configure it and manage it for you. Yeah. I've, in fact, it looked to me, if you think about it, the way the build agents work in GitHub and uh, Azure DevOps, you know, where mm -hmm. the, all the stacks are piled on there, all the, the build tools, it's kind of like that, but extended to the front end. So do we feel like this would be for a customer where like, we're not talking about just setting up like a VS code environment in like a, you know, a GitHub code space. Like it would be more like, I need a full blown virtual machine with like processing power and is like, is yes. that sort of, yeah, exactly. There. Where you want Visual Studio, I think, was probably the sweet spot of uh, of that tool chain. Whereas I think and, your VS, yes. No, and you need like a Windows, uh, like a more like a GUI style designer and all, which you don't get through, uh, for example, through Code Spaces, or even if you have a dev container. Dev containers is the other uh, kind of option available to you. Uh, but those kind of move for, as Mark said, for web uh, style development. The moment you get out of that, let's say you want to build a Xamarin application, uh, since you mentioned that earlier, right. uh, mm -hmm. that would be difficult through DevSpace. Maui. 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 Damn it. <laughs> I need to upgrade my code. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. I think this has been a good roundup. Uh, thank you all for uh, the great updates and the perspectives on build and thank you mark for coming on and sharing your uh, deep uh, expertise and uh, yeah, thanks, thoughts mark. as always and, my pleasure uh, thanks for asking me we'll, we'll try and put that uh, i think ken referred to the book of news so we'll maybe try and get a link to that and put it in the show notes that should cover yeah. all the updates we had today i saw it was tweeted this morning i'm holding that email yeah it's up and, on twitter and, and, and the other thing to remind our audience right we hit what 10 percent of what's out there like there's just Yes. So much more that came out as well. This is just sort of the highlights that caught our attention. So do do go check out um, everything else that's been announced. I will say we're not biased at all. So there's no product <laughs> by any means we talked about um, any kind of bias whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Thanks, folks. All right. Thank all right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, Find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. 
Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.